Um, on the board, we are uh, on Exodus 26 tonight, and, and it's been a while since we met. It was three weeks ago. Um, so just a little reminder, we are on the last part of Exodus, which is mostly about the tabernacle. Uh, we're going to take bigger pieces of text, like, like whole chapters when we can, um, and we will try to do that tonight. I don't know if you uh, watch news or have seen the news um, this, this last week in Israel. Uh, one of the government officials um, visited went to the Temple Mount. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. You've seen the pictures of the Dome of the Rock, uh, etc. And, and an Israeli um, official went there, and that was enough to call for, a, for an ambassador to the United Nations from another country to call for an emergency meeting to deal with the Israeli person uh, official visiting the Temple Mount. And so, so what is that about? Well, as you know, uh, the Temple Mount is where the temple was. So I'm, I'm sure what they're concerned about is that you'd have some, some uh, lunatic um, religious fanatics uh, thinking that this would be a good idea for, for Israel to take over that Temple Mount again and maybe rebuild the temple or something. Who knows exactly what it is, but you know that it is now where the Dome of the Rock is. But, but, but the Temple Mount, the temple was a replacement for the tabernacle. So... What we're going to be talking about tonight is, is many stages back what led to this controversy even today uh, in Israel. So uh, before we get started tonight, um, again, last, week, last time we met was three weeks ago. We were in Exodus 25, which was um, the first section about construction of the tabernacle, which covers about 13 out of the last 16 chapters of Exodus, uh, as we talked about last time. And the key verses were these, um, verses 8 and 9 from, from chapter 25. And let them make a sanctuary, that I may dwell in their midst, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all of its furnishings, furniture, so you shall make it. So what's called the sanctuary in verse 8 and the tabernacle in verse 9 are the same thing. So the tabernacle is a portable sanctuary. Um, and there are a couple of reasons that we, that we talked about last time. Uh, a scholar named Sarna, a Jewish scholar named Sarna, mentioned that the big thing about the tabernacle, the reason that it was constructed, is that it is a symbol of God's presence with his people, Israel. So that's first. Second is to bring about or make sure that there is the practice of organized religion or an organized practice of religion. So if you remember that, those were the two big points about the tabernacle uh, last time. But, but in construction of the tabernacle, the details matter a great deal. And one of the, the details that from chapter 25 is that, that when God says this, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst, 
and make it according to the pattern that, that, that I'm going to show you is that he doesn't go first into making the tabernacle. He goes first into making three things that will go in the tabernacle. So here were, here were the points from last time, uh, or the division of chapter 25. But you can see that after um, the discussion about what you need to collect to build the tabernacle, then it's, okay, so here's the Ark of the Covenant. So the Ark of the Covenant is the most important thing in the tabernacle, or the furnishings of the tabernacle. Then there's a table for the bread, and then the golden lampstand. So we went over those last time, and then chapter 26 gets us to construction of the tabernacle itself. So Exodus 26, beginning in verse 1. We're going to spend a little time here, but... but um, uh, not as much on, on some of the other parts. So, moreover, this is from the ESV, you shall make the tabernacle with ten curtains. We'll just pause there for a minute. Moreover, you shall make the tabernacle with ten curtains. Now, it doesn't matter if you have a New American Standard or NIV or King James. They, they all start out pretty much the same there. Um, but... The Jewish translation, Tanakh, starts it out this way. As for the tabernacle, make it with ten, etc. So, so as for the tabernacle, so, so now we're finally getting to the tabernacle. So what is the tabernacle for? Why is the tabernacle there? Why, why is, what is the big deal here with the tabernacle? And and the first of those reasons that I mentioned from, from Sarna from last week, it is that it's a symbol of God's presence with his people. It's the place where God says that he will meet with Moses over the cover of, of the ark. It's on the ark. So they've been at Mount Sinai, and God has been there. And remember from Mount Sinai, when God meets with people, he doesn't meet with everybody. He doesn't meet even with very many people. He meets with Moses, and he makes all the other people stay farther away. So, for instance, as you remember, Moses gets to go up and go in the cloud and meet, meet with, with God, meet with the Lord. The elders have to stay farther away. The people can't even touch the mountain. So the tabernacle carries a similar function to that. It is a symbol of God's presence, but it's limited, very limited access to who actually gets to go in the tabernacle. Um, Moses gets to, to go and meet with God. Nobody else. Moses gets to go in and meet with, with her. So, so we might think, you know, the way we think is, you know, if you plopped us down in, in Israel's camp, we'd probably, go on, we'd probably be going, well, that doesn't seem right. If God's with us, well, God's with us, right? So, so why can't we? Why can't we meet with him? Why do we have to keep off the mountain? Why, do we, why don't we get to do this? Um, 
And, and, it, and even if we could, if he's with us, how could we even keep our distance from him? How would that even be possible to keep our distance? Why can't we see him? Why, why is he hidden? Well, God's with us today, and we, I mean, we think like this a lot, right? That, that I know God's with me. I know God's with me. But he doesn't seem to be answering. I really can't feel him. I can't feel his presence. We might feel like the psalmist, which is why, why the psalms are so so important for us, why they mean so much to us. Psalm 10 says this, starts off this way. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? So why? Why can't we approach him? Why do we sometimes feel that God is so distant from us, so, so far from us, if God's with us? It's a real question that we, that we all have sometimes. Well, go back to Israel. The reason for the mountain, the reason for the tabernacle is that God is holy. And holy, as you've, you've heard many times, holy means set apart. He's separate from us. He's different from us. But holy means a lot more than that. It means he's pure, completely pure. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So we know that God cannot tolerate, does not tolerate sin. He's perfect. He's pure. People are sinful. That's why God can say, you know, nobody can see me and live. Because he is so holy. And we're used to things like where God is where God is, that's, that's holy ground. Remember from the beginning of Exodus chapter 3, verse 5, the burning bush passage. Remember this, you'll remember this passage. Take your sandals off because the place where you're standing is holy ground. Well, why is it holy ground? It's because God's near to it, right? But do you remember what, what he said right before that? What, what does God say to Moses right before he says, take off your sandals? Don't come any closer. That's what he says. Why? Because he's holy and you can't approach him. So the tabernacle's like that. The tabernacle is this symbol of God's presence that the people don't have access to. They can't come near. God has his um, mediator who can come near. But the tabernacle not only shows us God's presence, it helps us keep our distance. It's constructed to help us keep our distance. So most of the people of Israel not only didn't ever enter the tabernacle, they never saw inside it. They didn't know what it was made up of, except for description. Once it's, once it's constructed, they never got in there. Nobody got in there. The priests would go into the holy place um, twice a day to uh, keep the lamp burning, at least at night, keep it burning at light, to care for the lamp, 
the bread once a week, um, but that's in the holy place. To the holy of holies, at the beginning, only Moses goes in, and, and later on, only the high priest goes in, and only once per year. So, um, moreover, you shall make the tabernacle. So it's, it's important to note as you're reading through here, because it can be confusing reading through this, this passage about the construction of the, of the tabernacle. One of the things that it's good to know is that the word tabernacle that's used here has more than one meaning. It can mean the whole portable sanctuary itself, okay? Or it can mean just the inside, the inner part of that portable sanctuary. And, and you're going to see a little bit later that it's important to have that distinct, to know that that can mean something as, as we try to sort through these, this passage. But, but the word sanctuary, um, the word tabernacle, um, the word used here means like a dwelling place. So chapter 26 has, the ESV has this title, just the sanctuary, or the, the, the tabernacle. So uh, the whole chapter is put under, under the tabernacle, um, which makes it hard to uh, get a real feel for. Actually, it breaks pretty easily. Chapter 26 breaks pretty easily into four parts that help us uh, quite a bit. Um, these, are the, these are the breaks that are in the Hebrew Bible. Now, the Hebrew Bible doesn't have headings on it, uh, but it does break the text in these, in these places, which make it much easier to understand. So, first, in the first six verses is the tabernacle interior. So, this is the inside of the tabernacle. The second part is the tent over the tabernacle. So, this is, that sounds a little bit strange, doesn't it? Well, you can think of the tabernacle this way, the, the, the bigger structure, not just the inside this way. It's like a tent with four layers. So if you have, if you're familiar, if you have a tent, um, you might have a rain fly on the tent, right? So you've got the tent, the main tent, and then you've got a rain fly over it. Well, it's kind of like that, but the tabernacle has four layers, not just two layers. So there's a, there's a place for that. And then there's the tabernacle f- tent frame. So it's actually got frame. Like, like many tents have some kind of a frame. This has a really nice frame and a sturdy frame. And then there's the veil in the screen. In the screen. So this chapter breaks into those sections really easily, and it makes it a lot easier to understand what's going on. So here's what we're going to end up with. So this is, this is a basic sketch of the tabernacle. Um, it's, it's really not very big, so the length of it's probably, it's about from these chairs, the edge of these chairs over here to the wall. That's the long way. So it's not very big. It, it's, it's 45 feet long and 15 feet wide. So the Holy of Holies part there is 15 by 15 by 15. So it's 15 wide, 15 long, 15 high. 15 feet high. The holy place is twice as big. So 30 by 15 by 15. So the tabernacle interior. So remember, it's, it's a 
It's a four-layered tent, and we're going to talk, in the first six verses, we're going to talk about the first layer, the inside layer. Okay? Moreover, you shall make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twisted linen and blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and you shall make them with cherubim. Um, Those are some kind of angelic beings. Skillfully worked into them. So, One of the reasons that that this is confusing when we read through it is that, here's a really good reason, is even scholars don't know what some of these terms mean. Um, And and we're using English translations to try to figure out, try to capture what they mean. And another reason is that we have preconceived notions about what an English word means. Right? So so here's, here's a really good example. Curtains. Everybody knows what a curtain is, right? But that actually helps us miss what's going on here because we think of a curtain as something that hangs vertically. Well, that's not what these are. This word's only used in connection with tents, with tent fabric. So this is actually, a, a curtain here is actually something that covers two sides. Um, the length of it would cover two sides and the top. Flat on the top hanging straight down on the two sides, roughly. So that, that's what it is. So it's not like we would think of a, tur- of a curtain. I mentioned the Tanakh, the Jewish translation here. They don't call them curtains. They call it strips of cloth. So, so here they are, but notice what this is. this is. We talked about this last time. This is really, really, really expensive cloth. Um, this is the, the fabric here is incredible. Like I think the... The, the dye for the purple ones comes from some kind of marine snail, and it takes thousands of them to stay in one robe. So this is really, really, really expensive cloth that they, I'm sure they got from, from Egypt. But this is, and it's beautifully woven, and the cherubim being woven into it would be worked into it so they're not embroidered on top of it. They're just woven right into it. So it's that skillfully made. So it's beautiful. Uh, it's, it'd be very expensive as it is. Um, and it is so carefully made. It, it's just really ornate. And it would be hard for us to imagine something like that. So the length of each curtain, right, each strip of cloth, shall be 28 cubits. That's 42 feet. And the breadth of each curtain, 4 cubits. That's 6 feet. All the curtains shall be the same size. So ten of them that are that size. Five curtains shall be coupled to one another. So you're going to hook five of these together. And you're going to hook the other five together. So, so when, once you hook them together, you've got something 42 feet by 30 feet. So all total, you have 42 by 60 feet. And you shall make loops of blue on the edge of the outermost curtain in the first set. Likewise, you shall make loops on the edge of the outermost curtain on the second set. Fifty loops you shall make on the one curtain and fifty loops on the other curtain, uh, on the edge of the other curtain. That is the second set, and the loops shall be opposite one another, and you shall make fifty clasps of gold, clasps of gold, and couple the curtains to one another with the clasps so that the tabernacle may be a single whole. So one piece of cloth. 42 feet long, 60 feet 
um, 42 feet wide, 60 feet long. So here's what we have so far then. So this piece of cloth would lay flat on top of this, right, and, and go over all the way, almost all the way to the ground on the north side. So the, the tabernacle is always set up the same way, top side's north. So the north side and the south side and the west side. So there's nothing on the east side. So they, they stop a little bit short on the north side and the south side. So that is the interior, this beautifully ornate thing that nobody's ever going to see except the priests um, is there. So the next thing is, is the tent that goes over that. So these are going to be the other three layers that, you, that, that, that make up the outside tent. And you shall make curtains of goat's hair. So these are different curtains. For a tent over the tabernacle, 11 curtains. So you're making more of them. The other ones had 10. And you, sh- you shall make. And the length of each curtain shall be 30 cubits. So that's two cubits longer. It's, um, uh, three feet longer than the other ones. Uh, and the breadth of each curtain, four cubits. 11 curtains shall be the same size. And it's going to go through and tell us how we're going to attach them again. And you shall make curtains of goat's hair for the tent over the tabernacle. So this is going over that inner part. Eleven curtains you shall make. The length of each curtain shall be 30 cubits, and the breadth of each curtain, four cubits. Eleven curtains shall be the same size. And you shall make the curtains of goat's hair for the tent over the tabernacle. Eleven curtains you shall make. The length of each curtain shall be 30 cubits, and the breadth of each curtain, four cubits. Eleven Curtains shall be the same size. Did I read that twice? Or did he repeat it? You shall couple five curtains by themselves, six curtains by themselves. And the sixth curtain you shall double over the front of the tent. And you shall make 50 loops on the edge of the curtain that is outermost in one set and 50 loops on the edge of the curtain that is outermost on the second set. And you shall make 50 clasps of bronze and put the clasps on the loops and the couple and couple the tent together that it may be a single hole and the part that remains of the curtains of the tent, the half curtain that remains shall hang over the back of the tabernacle, which would be west. So, and the extra that remains in the length of the curtains, the cubit on the one side and the cubit on the other side shall hang over the sides of the tent of the tabernacle and on this side and that side, so that'd be the north, south, and the south side, this side and that side. And, well, let's, let's just take a look. So it would still look the same, basically. You've got this second layer does the same thing, basically. It's a little bit bigger. It covers up. It lays flat on top of it. It lays straight down on the sides. It goes all the way to the ground on the north and the south. It hangs over on um, the west end. But again, there's nothing on the east end except for just maybe a little bit hanging from the top. And you shall make for the tent a covering of tanned ram skins and a covering of goat skins on the top. So those are the other two layers. And it's not going to give us all the dimensions for those two layers. So you have two additional layers, ram skins. And as we, we talked about last time, the ESV says goat skins. 
If you have the New American Standard, it says porpoise skins. Uh, King James says badger skins. Um, and the, the, the Jewish translation says, says dolphin skins. So dolphin skins on the top makes a lot of sense to me. Not very porous. Water doesn't get through very easily. Um, and so that is the outer layer. And so you have something then that might look more like we would think of with a tent, with these layers probably spread like this. So inside you have the two layers of what you can see on the screen. And outside you have the, the two outer layers that are to protect it. So it might look something like that. There are lots of thoughts about that. We don't have it. Right? There are no actual pictures of it. Right? So that's what the, the description would say and what the scholars think. But there are, there have, there are, other, there are um, records of other tabernacles besides this one by other nations. So this is likely, this is probably a pretty good representation of what, what it might uh, look like. Okay, so next we're going to have the frame. So we probably would have put the frame first, but, but so this is, the frame is going to be on the same three sides where you can kind of see, see the gold line around the edge on the north side and the west side and the south side, the right side, the east side is going to be open. So there's not a frame there. Frame's another one of those words that, that, that might be um, not be easy for us to understand be, um, in the text. ESV calls it frames. Um, New American Standard calls them boards. Um, Tanakh calls them planks. Um, so they're not really sure what they are. They think they, they, they might be like a plank, but they might all be, be like a ladder-shaped thing for, to save weight. So you shall make upright frames for the tabernacle of acacia wood, Ten cubits shall be the length of the frame. So they're going to stand straight up. Ten cubits is 15 feet. Right? So it's, remember that it's 15 feet tall. And a cubit and a half, the breadth of each frame. So that's 27 inches. So that'd be a big plank. Um, I don't know if you've carried 2x12s around. 2x27 um, might be pretty heavy. And there's, there's no indication it would only be two <laughs> by. We just know how, how wide they are. So this frame is pretty sturdy. This, these frame members are going to be really sturdy. So there shall be two tenons, so some way to connect them to other frames, other pieces of frame, for fitting together, so that you shall, so that you do for all the frames of the tabernacle. You shall make the frames for the tabernacle 24 or 20 frames on the south side, 40 bases of silver you shall make under the 20 frames, two bases uh, under one frame for its tenons, so that these are big, and two bases under the frame, next frame for the two tenons. So, um, and so the second, so that was the south side. The north side is going to be exactly the same. Um, and then for the rear, so this would be the west side. You shall make six frames. You shall make two frames for the corners in the rear, and they shall be separate beneath, but joined at the top at the first ring. Thus it shall be for both of them. They shall form two corners. And there shall be eight frames, 
with their silver bases, 16 bases, two bases under one frame and two bases under the other frame. And you shall make bars of acacia wood, so a way to connect them all together. So for the frames of the the one side of the tabernacle and, and five bars for the frames of the other side of the tabernacle and five bars for the frames of the side of the tabernacle, the rear westward side. So the middle bar halfway up the frame shall run from end to end and you shall overlay the frames with gold and you shall make their rings gold for the holders for the bars and you shall overlay the bars with gold. So so what is that what does all that tell us? Basically, I, I, I think of it like this. So you guys know what a, everybody know what a Morton building is or a metal building with posts and they have posts and cross members, kind of like that. that. That seems like it would be about what's being described there. It's kind of post and, and, and plank kind of construction there. So that's kind of it. And then, then um, in case it was confusing, God tells Moses to make it just exactly like the plan that he showed him. So, so Moses had that benefit. So the last part then, the veil and the screen. And you shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twisted linen. It shall be with cherubim skillfully worked into it. So this is exactly like the inner fabric. Um, and the veil goes right here. So there's where the veil is. It's between, as you can see, the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place. And you shall hang it on four pillars of acacia uh, overlaid with gold, with hooks of gold and four bases of silver. And you shall hang the veil so, um, from the clasps and bring the Ark of the Testimony in there. So there's something within the veil. So that's what this would look like. The Ark of the Covenant now, or the Ark of the Testimony, it is, goes right there, somewhere in the Holy of Holies. So that is, again, the area that Moses goes. Nobody else goes. And later, the high priest goes once a year. Nobody else gets in there. And the veil shall separate you, separate for you the holy place from the most holy, and you shall put the mercy seat um, on the ark of the testimony in the most holy place. And you shall set the table outside the veil. That's the, the other, another thing that was made last, last time. And the lampstand on the south side, opposite the table, you shall put the table on the north side. So that's what, that's what would be in the tabernacle. So that's the tabernacle, the, the, the floor plan of the tabernacle, and what is in it. Uh, Two verses left. And you shall make a screen for the entrance of the tent of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twisted linen embroidered with needlework. So this is different from, it's similar to, but different from what's than the veil of the Holy of Holies. And you shall make for the screen five pillars of acacia wood and overlay them with gold and their hooks shall be of gold and you shall cast the five bases of bronze for them. And so that's what we, there's what the screen would look like. And so that's what, that's what the people would see. You wouldn't be able to see in because that screen would block it. So the priests would go in there again, again twice a day, but they couldn't go in the Holy of Holies. They couldn't go beyond that, 
veil that was for the high priest, ends up being for the high priest, once a year uh, on the Day of Atonement, the day that looks forward to God's atoning for his people. So those are the four parts of this chapter. So let's talk a little bit about, a little bit more about the tabernacle. So like this, what happened to it? What happened? It's, it's not there anymore. So what happened to it? So if it was a symbol of God's presence with his people and it provided for their organized worship, their organized religion, what happened to the tabernacle? It It was portable, remember. It was really durable, but it was portable. They had to pick it up and move it when they went places. Um, And so it's the symbol, once they leave Mount Sinai, of God's presence with them. So so here's here's just a basic quick outline of what happened to it. So they they took it with them, and they wandered in the wilderness for uh, 39 more years. Right? So they they would set the tabernacle up uh, wherever they were going to camp for a while. Uh, Then when they got into the promised land, it went to Shiloh which is a, is it was a town in, in um, Israel, eventually gets moved to Jerusalem. And then you remember that David wants to replace it with a temple, but God tells him he can't. So Solomon builds a temple to replace the tabernacle. The temple is destroyed by the Babylonians, and so it gets rebuilt by Herod the Great. Um, actually, gets rebuilt partially before that, but in, just before Jesus' time, Herod the Great makes it the biggest, greatest, nicest temple ever, which is destroyed in 70 A.D. So that's kind of a history of where this goes. So, if it's a symbol of God's presence with His people, where is His presence now? Well, as Christians, we, like, we talk about the presence of God a lot. We sing about the presence of God a lot. We know that God promises to be with us. So, we know that Jesus has promised to always be with us, and I will be with you always, he says, remember? So, what about the other function of the tabernacle? What about the function of the tabernacle that is to, that is to say, don't come any closer? So what, what, happened, what happened to that? Did, did God become less holy? Did God become less pure? Did God become less set apart? Or did people change? Did we just get better? Did we, did we become less... Almost perfect. We're, we're almost perfect now. We're, 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 did we become less sinful? Are we less sinful now than the Israelites were then? So what changed? What changed? As we've, as we've mentioned this verse before because of the way that it, that it's, that it says and the way that it's, it's in the context of it, in here, and Pastor Andy, I think it was on the, on the Christmas Eve service, Jesus tabernacled 
among us. That's what happened. Jesus is God's presence with us. And we know that he fulfilled all of the things that the tabernacle was supposed to do. Right? The, the priest could enter, the high priest goes in once a year for an atoning, on the day of atonement, on the day when uh, Israel, when God is atoning for the sins of his people, looking forward, of course, to Christ, looking him forward to his, his sacrifice when he would actually pay for our sins, when, he would for, when, when God would forgive our sins by... Uh, by the blood of Jesus, and and remember what happens at when when Jesus dies for us at the crucifixion. Remember, he he says, "You remember, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" Well, a little bit, a little bit after that, it says this. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. So the curtain here is coming from a Greek word. It's the veil. It's the veil to the Holy of Holies. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, much like at Sinai, and the rocks were split, and the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many, and then when the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and saw what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. So the veil was torn. And when the veil is torn, what does God do when, the, when he tear, tears the veil? Well, first thing that happens is the Holy of Holies opens up. The Holy of Holies opens up giving access to the, whole, to the Holy of Holies, giving access to God's presence for all people, not just the Jews, not just the priests who were probably there and saw it, but to us. Christ gave access to his presence with us. So what else changed? God didn't change. Well, God changed us. That's what's happened. Through Christ's death and resurrection, through his blood sacrifice for us, God justifies us. He declares us righteous. And he's sanctifying us. He is in the work of sanctifying So he, he's not becoming less holy. We're becoming more holy. Christ makes the, God declares us righteous and Christ makes us more holy and he gives us a new heart and he puts his spirit in us 
and causes us to walk in his way. So, so whatever happened to the tabernacle, that's not really relevant, right? And whatever happens on the Temple Mount in this political thing doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter because there is a better tabernacle coming. So that, that, that we might think, okay, that's all great. That's all nice. That's all good. God's with us. We all know that. I still feel like, sometimes like, I can't find him. I still feel like, oh Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Where are you when I'm going through this trouble? Well, God's still working on us. We're not fully sanctified yet. We're not conformed to the image of his son yet. We're still mourning, and we're still crying, and we're still in pain. But if, if, if we have faith in Christ, well, first of all, he promises that that's going to happen. We're going to have trouble. Right? We are going to have trouble and he doesn't promise that it's going to take, he's going to take that away in this life. We're going to, we're, we're going to walk through that, but he's going to walk through that with us. But, but the good news, the, the even better news, is that, that we, we should take heart that we are, because we are not home yet. You know, we often hear about live in the present, live in the moment. Well, we have to live with this future hope. Here's what John writes. See if this makes sense in, in, in context with what we've been studying tonight. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. This is from Revelation 21, by the way. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And I think the New American Standard says this, the tabernacle of God is with man. Dwelling place, tabernacle mean the same thing. And he will dwell with them and he will be and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, or crying, or pain. Anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true.
So, no matter what happened to the, God, the tabernacle, God hasn't forgotten about it. It's coming again. His presence is going to be with us uh, forever. And he hasn't forgotten you either. Let's pray.